I'm Kendra Tombolato, here with Mei Zhang, and this is the China Travel Podcast by Wild China Travel. Each week, we'll be heading to a new place in China to share our top local tips and tricks, highlighting our favorite food, hotels, and experiences, as well as sharing resources. If you're joining or catching up on past episodes, we encourage you to subscribe to this podcast. And lastly, if you're interested in traveling China with us or attending any of our other virtual events, please visit our website at wildchina.com. For today's episode, we head to Inner Mongolia with Wild China's own Susan Lee. Inner Mongolia is a long province stretching across China's northern border. It's home to vast swathes of grasslands and deserts, and now cities as well. Population-wise, it has one of the lowest population densities of all of China's provinces, but has the largest population of Mongols of any country, including Mongolia. It is also the only country in the world to use the traditional Mongol script. For this episode, May interviews Susan on what it was like growing up in rural Inner Mongolia and how the province is positioned as a modern-day travel destination. Hi, welcome back to the China Travel Podcast. My name is Zhang Mei, and every week we get to venture to a destination in China with one of our guests. When I say destination, it can really be a village, a city, or a province, or sometimes simply a way of life. So today, I'm very excited. We're headed to China's northern borderlands, Inner Mongolia Autonomous Region. We couldn't think of a better way. A better person to speak to about Inner Mongolia other than Wild China's very own Susan Lee, who is from there. Now, welcome, Susan. It's good to have you here. Thank you. Hi, May. How are you? Good, good. So, when I read your bio, I'll quote: "I was born and raised up in Chifeng, Mongolian Wulan Hada. The name meaning." Red Mountain in Chinese refers to the red-colored peak overlooking the city from the northeast, and it's about only 200 miles from downtown Beijing. This picture is just—it's so intriguing and so beautiful. It's very hard to imagine, actually, 200 miles out of the humongous Beijing city, this sort of magical place. I want to hear from you with your own words. Describe it for me. What is it like where you grew up? And tell us about your hometown and your journey. Perfect. Thank you. That's a great question. I'm glad you like the mountains and the, the view. So Chifeng is about like 200 miles from Beijing, and then where I was born is another three hours drive from Chifeng. So another three hours drive up north. So it's really, really far. It's always a hectic for me to get home.、Uh, so much traveling. So yeah, it's a really, really small town called Bayin, left a banner. So growing up there has been a fantastic ex- experience for me, especially as a kid growing up there on the grassland. It's like you have everything you need as a kid. You have a massive playground. You have like yurts. You can sleep outside. You can play with sheep and cattle.、So、you can pick flowers and mushrooms during the summer. So I feel like growing up in Buying Left Banner is one of the best thing ever happened to me in my life. To be honest. Wow! It, it just you've already taken me to Inner Mongolia already. The grassland, the yurts, the sheep. Was your family nomadic or sort of city civil servants in the government? Tell me about them. 
Okay, so my parents are originally from northeast China, which you know there are three major cities in northeast China, right? We have Jilin, Heilongjiang, and Liaoning. My parents are actually from originally. My grand great grandparents are from Liaoning province, and then they moved to Inner Mongolia. So both of my parents are are actually not nomadic. But we are very close. I mean, a lot of people ask me, "Are you Mongolian?" I'm actually not, to be honest. But I feel like I grew up there. I grew up in that culture. I eat their food. Like, I feel like I'm by blood. I'm not by by experience. I am. I guess same with my parents. Well, I've I've been to Inner Mongolia and Outer Mongolia a couple of times. In my imagination, the the way of life there is just much slower than the rest of the world, and very very close to the land. Maybe describe to to us in your words, is the sort of family dynamic and general culture of everyday life very different from, say, the rest of China? I, I'm not even referring to Las Vegas life. Perfect. That's a great question. I definitely feel life in in Mongolia is much slower because so we, my parents and I, I we I grew up in a city, uh, even smaller one, but it's a town. It's a city. If you describe it as a person's more introverted, more like homebody, so it's like um, not many options there. It's very simple. Yeah. What about the cuisine aspect? Like, do you feel like your life is more like the Mongolian? Eating more meat and less vegetable. You know what is it like living there? Uh, cuisine wise, is very uh, is very Mongolian Mongolianized because for us we can like the normal topic during for during breakfast time at home will be like, hey, you want Mongolian milk tea for breakfast or noodles for breakfast, or you want to go out for to eat a whole roasted lamb or have a traditional hot pot. So it's like. It's definitely part of our life. It's like every every meal thing. It's very accessible. It's like right downstairs. Mongolian food you can find it everywhere. Sounds great. Now, in school, did you have to learn Mongolian? Do you speak Mongolian language? Because I think there are signs when I travel there. There are road signs and things in both languages. In the Mongolia is、uh, like the first autonomous region in China. That was established, and then so we have our own language for the whole region. That's why you saw all the signs are both in Mongolian and Chinese. But I don't speak any Mongolian, so the reason because I think there's a tremendous change in my generation. Because when I was in school, Mongolian language and culture are actually looked down upon. But、um, right now, it's like more more interesting, more tr- more like popular now. But when I was in school, so like it was really like no, don't speak Mongolian, don't do that. So I I never got the chance and opportunity to learn. But there are bilingual schools in in Mongolia, and there are a lot of、uh, bilingual like elementary schools all the way to universities. So you have the chance to speak and use both languages there. Mm. It's a very interesting cultural phenomena you're describing. So. Back, I would say, twenty-five or something years ago, the ethnic minorities in in, in Mongolia feel a sense of inferiority. From what I'm hearing, right? Has that changed? Yes, that changed so much because right now, like now, it's get it's getting very popular. For example, like 
for newly uh, couples, they would go on the grassland, take a whole like a photo shoot of them wearing traditional Mongolian clothes or having a Mongolian wedding, everything. Because I guess like now people are better educated. They respect the minority culture more. And also like it is definitely more unique and special. And you kind of like uh, need that part in your life. So yeah, it's it's very popular now. Like for Han people living in, in, in Mongolia, we love to try everything about Mongolian people. That's that's so great to hear. With education, there's the appreciation of diversity as well as uh, traditions that are time tested, right? Now let's let's switch to talking about Inner Mongolia as a travel destination. Maybe you can give us a sense. I think very few people out of, outside of China realize how enormous the area is, and in fact, you have an even bigger population than Outer Mongolia, right? So. Set the scene for us. What is it like in Mongolia as a travel destination? Which are the main draws? That's a really good question. Especially, I feel like in Mongolia is really large, but like it's very long. It's very wide. It's like a two thousand miles long, and then in Mongolia by itself is the third largest province or region in China. So it's really big, and towns like each city are very far from each other. So for travel-wise, I think the most important thing is your transportation. Choose it wisely so you can use your time, you know, wisely because you don't want to spend like two days on the road and then just travel and to see only two destinations. So I definitely recommend by plane or like um, that would be very wise. And then sides-wise, there are many things to see in, in the Mongolia, like grasslands. For example, and then summertime from July to September would be the best time to go to the grassland because the grass is green. There are festivals, celebrations, horse racing. You can also go camping, glamping. Any options there? Very nice. On the west side of Inner Mongolia, there are a lot of desert. So there are like eight major deserts in China, and then four of them are in the Mongolia. For example. The Tungur Desert, you can go have fun there, and it's really not far drive from the city to get to the desert. I'm talking about Hahat, the capital of Inner Mongolia. So you can get there, fly there, and then two hours drive can take you to the desert that's close by. So that could be really fun to to see if you really want to see like a more nomadic area of Inner Mongolia. Go. Up north to Hulunbeir, the grass is greener there, and then most of people, I guess, it, there are more Mongolians living in a nomadic lifestyle than Han people in that region. So something different from where you normally can find in Hahat, I guess. And what are the aside from the way of life? Are there major sort of uh, sites you would recommend people visiting? Yeah. There are also, I guess, like just follow the where the grasslands are. We have a Hulunbeir grassland, Urdos grassland, Siningola grassland, grassland. Those are where most attractions are. Yeah, and then those grasslands are followed along the whole in the Mongolia region. You can go really up north. Hulunbeir grassland is right next to borders with Heilongjiang and Russia. 
And then going down south, so you have Wulan Chup grassland, which is uh, very close to the water. And then go a little further down, you go to Chifeng grassland, very close to Beijing. And then all the way a little bit to the north, uh, to the west, you have Ordos grassland, which is very close to Hahat. And I would definitely recommend it, like, go to the Hahat area. Like, you have Hahat, you have Balto, you have Ordos. Those areas makes it easier because those are three gigantic cities right next to each other. There are grasslands and deserts. Uh, they're, they're more close to each other, especially compared to the east side of Inner Mongolia. It's even, everything is so far from each other. Okay, so now I got to call hot. Where do I stay for the first night and where do I eat? Any recommendations? Yes, I think uh, Ha Hot Hotel is really has a long history. The decorations, everything is very Mongolian. So it just called the Ha Hot Hotel, which is really nice. And it's located right in the middle of the city. And then the first night, ooh, I would go just right for a Mongolian restaurant and for a full Mongolian banquet. You have like uh, Mongolian cheese, Mongolian milk tea. Now we're talking about Mongolian milk tea. It's not like the boba tea you normally have. Mongolian milk tea is a little bit salty. We put salt in there. And also you when you go to a restaurant for Mongolian tea, it's like you have a big pot. You have all sorts of ingredients in there. You have cheese, you have fried rice, you have beef jerkies. Just all boiling together is warm and smells very, very good. Are they boiling in the tea? Yes, they boil together in the tea. So when you say Mongolian milk tea, it's like a milk hot pot. Kind of, kind of. But you don't do the, the, the put the thing in the pot and take it out thing. Everything will be put in the pot together at the very beginning and you just put it on a little mild fire and then let it boiling while you're eating it. Oh, so good. <laughs> I can hear so you. Good. I can hear you. I think you're homesick from Las Vegas. <laughs> I know. <laughs> okay. And then what do they do the next day? Actually, I will just go see the city because you uh, travel so far. I will go the next day just to walk around. You have the Dajau Monastery, uh, which is a Buddhist temple in there. You can walk around the, uh, there's a walking street in Hahat. It has all the uh, little traditional art crafts and then local people selling their little handmade stuff. Definitely go check out that place. And in the afternoon, I would just like walk around and then eat more food. <laughs> okay. In our show notes, we will spell out some of these destinations that Susan is referring to. Right. Okay. Now, this is the first day that we are in the city of Hallhart. And next day, I want to go to Grassland now. Recommended place to go? Yes. I will say Silamur in Grassland, which is like two hours drive from Hahat, and then you get there. There, it's a very developed area, so you have people are very, very welcoming. Go stay in a checking at a yurt, and then walk around. And at night, we always go stargazing because this is a great time. You're on the grassland, just look at the stars; it's just fantastic. You can also see the 
Uh, another thing I like to do at night is just see around like four or five p.m. See the um, farmers or the 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 ranch owners herding their um, horses back to home or the cattle. Just massive of animals running on their grassland. It's just absolutely beautiful. Oh, that sounds great. Um, now, as I was mentioning earlier, sometimes when you make a reservation at places like this. If you're not specific, you, you may get, you know, a yurt that is made of plastic, or sometimes they're better. Any advice on how to score the best accommodation and closest access to the experiences you were talking about? I guess the my only advice is just go with an expert, go with someone know the area, because here's the thing: like a lot of um, we call it temporary hotels showing up because the same with the season, like. For a lot of hotels, they can't afford to open up for the whole year because the best time on the grassland only lasts three months, from July to September, right? So a lot of them just randomly shows up for three months and then shut down three months later. So I would say, like, go with someone who knows the area, who knows like which hotel is reliable, and then has a more nomadic experience,、um, traditional yard. For you to stay at,、mm. I think that is always very true, right? Whenever you travel to destinations that are less developed, there is always a lack of established channels to information as such.、Uh, I actually know a person is called Wu Nan. He's Mongolian. He's a tattoo artist, but he owns a few yards all over in Mongolia. He has. He's doing Airbnb, and his yards are absolutely fantastic. Yeah, so his English name there is called Wu Nan, W U V A N, and in, in Mongolian it means brave. Go check out his store in Hahat. He has a store in Hahat, and then a few yards in Hulunbeir in Urdos. So definitely stay there. It's beautiful. Mm, that's the kind of tip I would love to have more for our, for our listeners. What about like beautiful handmade? I don't know, cashmere or local Mongolian products that that you would recommend? Quality, like really、mm. fine quality stuff. Yeah, I guess leather painting is a really cool one. It's very unique. There are a lot of workshops in Hahat. You can go to the leather painting factory and then order your own set and try it by yourself. There are also what else? Like、uh, rocks are very popular in Mongolia because Balto, three hours drive outside of Hahat, is another big city in in Mongolia. It has a lot of like、uh, red rocks. My dad is actually a big fan of like、uh, red rock. We call it jishishi, like chicken blood rocks. Um, Chicken blood.、Rock. Yeah, that's a literal translation. Definitely not. Don't go with that one.、Um, <laughs> but it's a pure red. It's very unique, and you can find a lot of jewelries and then crafts、uh, made out made by it. It's very unique and it's world famous, I guess. Another thing you everybody should try is to, if you're into it though, go make yourself a. If you have the budget, go make yourself a set of like Mongolian traditional clothes. It's gonna be so beautiful. They're a little bit expensive, but it's gonna last you forever, and they look fantastic. It's just a great experience. 
Yeah, no, that sounds great. That would be something, you know, beautiful if you own it, to wear it and go to a party and impress. You'll be the center of the party, right? Well, Susan, it's been such a pleasure to talk with you and thank you for sharing your memories and advice on how to explore this vast land. Uh, thanks, everybody, for listening. Definitely check out Inner Mongolia. It's my hometown, and I'm very proud of it. Go there around like July and August to see the massive gra- grassland, see the mountains, see the sheep. You're going to have the best experience in your life. I guarantee that. Wild China Travel presents the China Travel Podcast, hosted by me, Kendra Tombolato, and Wild China founder, Mei Zhang. In this series, we'll be traveling to a different place in China each week to share our local tips and expert travel advice. To catch our weekly podcasts, please subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.